Good morning, fantasy. Welcome into my brand new show, Good Morning Fantasy. We're going to be live every single day, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to around 9 to 9.30 a.m. every day, depending on what my schedule looks like. Today, I have class at 9.30 uh, up on college campus here at Miami University, so we're going to be wrapping around 9 a.m. Thank you for joining me for your morning dose of fantasy football, or if you're watching on a replay, thank you so much for checking out my first show. It really means so much for you guys to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, We're going to be live every single day, Monday through Friday, guys. It's a great start of a new era for myself, a new project for myself, and I hope you guys are here to enjoy it with me. Today we have a fun one. It is going to be discussing Gabriel Davis of the Buffalo Bills, young wide receiver who the Dynasty Fantasy Football community has been a big fan of for a long time. And I'm going to be taking a look at his playoff performance and deciding if I should go in on him in the long term or if he's a little bit of a fake. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. Thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So Gabriel Davis has been on the Buffalo Bills now for two seasons. Drafted last season uh, in the middle round. I believe he was a day three draft pick. I believe in the fourth round to the Buffalo Bills. And in the last couple seasons, a lot of people have been clamoring for him to become the wide receiver too, along with Stephon Diggs. We didn't really get to see that uh, last season, unfortunately, with a lot of uh, wide receivers in front of him in his way on the depth chart. It seemed like it wasn't really going to happen, but he showed flashes as a rookie. Uh, from there, the Dynasty Fantasy football community really took off with their full-on hard-eyes crush of Gabriel Davis. Gabe Davis was always kind of showing flashes. He always had good talent. Um, but it seemed like there was always some guy on the wide receiver depth chart in front of him that was kind of taking those reps, uh, whether it be Cole Beasley or this year Emmanuel Sanders. Gabriel Davis never really got the chance to have a full breakout opportunity. Now fast forward to this year. In the playoffs, Gabe Davis has one of the best fantasy football games in recent memories uh, for almost 200 yards and like, what was it, four touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Gabe Davis is a very good, talented, young wide receiver. The thing is for me is, will it be consistent? It's the age-old argument of target share uh, versus weighted playoff opportunities at the end of the season. What does it mean? Do playoff football trends stick to the regular season? He's a uh, mid-round draft pick. Does his draft capital carry over into next season? Do people actually care about Gabriel Davis enough to go out, make trades for him, and really inflate his price in the dynasty community? My answer to that question broadly before we dive into it is I think no. I think he is fake personally. But I'm not out on him completely. Because Gabe Davis is, like I said, a very good wide receiver in real life. And I think he has great potential going forward. However, I'm not investing in a guy that hard who had a 10% target share last season, guys. I mean, come on. You you know how many people out there who had a 10% target share who probably are way better than Gabriel Davis in real life NFL talent? Probably a lot. Probably a a lot more players than just Gabe Davis. Uh, I think that it's really important for fantasy football, in my opinion, to chase volume. Okay, I I think it's really important for fantasy. I want the guy who's going to be peppered with targets over and over again. I want the Deontay Johnson of that offense. I want the guy who's going to be hyper-targeted by their quarterback. Gabe Davis, while he could be really good, is not that guy. And if you're going to have a wide receiver two in fantasy football, I'm going to want a place where it's a 50-50-ish kind of situation as far as talent goes, Uh, like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, for example, in Tampa Bay, or CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Dallas, or Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Well, Jamar Chase is the better wide receiver. T. Higgins is also a very, very good wide receiver and good enough to earn his own targets. Similarly, like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. 
I don't see that same relationship happening in Buffalo with Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs. I think Stephon Diggs is miles better real life than Gabriel Davis is. And if Gabe Davis is going to want to take that step into that role, he's going to need to work very, very hard and get a lot better on the field if he's going to want to make that leap in fantasy football production. Also, Cole Beasley is no slouch. The anti-vax legend uh, himself, <laughs> Cole Beasley. He's so good in real life, and he's been a very solid wide receiver for Buffalo for a long time now. Gabe Davis is not going to see the targets that Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs sees. So I think it's going to be very difficult for him to establish permanent fantasy uh, football dominance, if you will. Um, I would much rather invest in guys like Amon Ross St. Brown right now in Dynasty, who I understand they both have similar draft capital, and they are both you know relatively similar situations. A lot of people like Gabriel Davis more because he's attached to Josh Allen and the situation seems more stable long-term, which I understand. You're chasing that good quarterback play. I get it. But, like I said, I want the guy who's peppered the targets. I want the Deontay Johnson of the offense. And if you're looking for that guy, that guy could be Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit. In Detroit, no one's there getting peppered with targets except for TJ Hawkinson. At wide receiver, it is literally as open as it possibly comes uh, Amon Ross St. Brown averaged, I think, 11 targets a game over the last five games of the season. I want that guy. I don't care how many targets Gabe Davis is getting. Give me the guy who's getting 11 targets a game in Detroit, getting at least eight receptions a game, at least 70 receiving yards down the stretch for like five games in a row. I want that consistency. I want that offensive permanent involvement. I don't want the guy who can get game scripted out and can be forgotten in the offense like Gabriel Davis can. The question is for me, Will the Buffalo Bills continue to add to the depth chart if Emmanuel Sanders is out the door this season? Because if it is Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, and Stephon Diggs, sure, sure, Gabe Davis is going to be fantasy relevant. I'm not saying he's not going to be. But will he be good enough for you to justify trading a first-round pick for him in Dynasty? Absolutely not. And I've seen a lot of people doing that this offseason. I've seen some crazy trades on Twitter where his value is just sky high. I've seen a lot of people uh, are even valuing him over Chase Claypool, which I think is ridiculous. Um, quick side tangent because we have plenty of time. On Chase Claypool, Claypool is severely underrated right now for a couple of reasons. One, the Steelers' offensive coordinators are not using him correctly. Chase Claypool is being used like Mike Williams. And I, well, he does have Mike Williams kind of traits. He is that jump ball wide receiver guy. He is that deep threat. He is that guy who can go up and make big catches. Isn't Beasley up for free agency as well? Is he? Uh, if you could look that up for me, that'd be amazing. If Beasley's also for free agency, that does open up the door even further for Gabe Davis, which is very interesting. Um, I think if Gabe, okay, back up here. If Cole Beasley and uh, Emmanuel Sanders leaving free agency, and Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs are the clear one and two, Gabriel Davis will absolutely have fantasy relevancy. Will he be a top 30 wide receiver? I don't think so. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think he's going to be terrible. I don't think he's going to be unusable. I don't think he's going to be unstartable. I think he could be a weekly flex player, but his dynasty price right now is not what I'm looking to invest in at all for a wide receiver of his stature, personally. Back to Claypool real quick. Well, uh, Fantasy Nux and Chat's going to do some research for me there. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, Chase Claypool is not being used correctly by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm a Steelers fan. I watch the games. I still believe, personally, bias aside, that Clay Chase Claypool is a very talented wide receiver, too, in the NFL. I think he has a high ceiling for big, deep threat, down-the-field-type target games where he's scoring multiple touchdowns. 80 yards, etc. I think he has shades of DK Metcalf and he has shades of Mike Williams combined into one player. 
Obviously, we know that Big Ben Roethlisberger, you don't have to be a Steelers fan to know this past season, Big Ben was not driving that ball down the football field. He was taking dumb balls all day long. His A dot was like one yard. Uh, so Chase Claypool, this deep threat guy, is not getting the kind of opportunities you're looking for. And when he does throw deep balls, you're getting these big, lofting, marshmallowy, uh, garbage balls that are just like these 50-50 jump balls, but with no real, um, like, take it to the house touchdown potential. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not capable. Big Ben, I mean, Big Ben last season was not capable of, you know, seeing Claypool downfield, has a step on his corner, dropping it right in the bucket and letting him uh, run after catch. Every single deep ball opportunity that the Pittsburgh Steelers had this season, except for like maybe one or two where he actually was able to run and catch, uh, was a 50-50 jump ball situation where he had to go jump over his man, try to moss him and come down with it and just go out of bounds um, because that's all he was able to do. Um, I think a young quarterback or any quarterback upgrade would be absolutely ginormous for Chase Claypool. And let's, let's say hypothetically. It's probably not going to happen. Let's say hypothetically the Pittsburgh Steelers add Aaron Rodgers this offseason and then Aaron Rodgers comes over from the Green Bay Packers and joins the Pittsburgh Steelers. That downfield passing game gets a monumental upgrade. We saw the success that Aaron Rodgers has had this season with uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, or NBS, whatever you like to call him. Um, if Chase Claypool can be that guy for the offense and Deontay Johnson can be more of the quote-unquote Devontae Adams of that offense, I think we see a huge breakout this season for Chase Claypool. Obviously, obviously, it's probably not going to happen because Aaron Rodgers is likely not going to come to Pittsburgh. But I would love it, Aaron, if you're watching for some reason. If you're one of the three viewers right now, Aaron, come to Pittsburgh. That'd be great. Also, shout out three viewers in here, guys. Thank you so much. I was expecting, like, no viewers on the first show. Welcome into Good Morning Fantasy, guys. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, we'll be here 8.30 uh, for at least half an hour. Thank you for making me a part of your daily routine. I appreciate it. Uh, back, to the, back to Gabe Davis, though. If Gabriel Davis carves out a role for himself, I think we could see a season, let's say hypothetically, that – Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley leave. I think he easily could be a thousand yard wide receiver. I'm not saying that he can't be. Uh, I just think that I would much rather invest in wide receivers that have a more stable target share. What's up, Kevin? How you doing, buddy? Thanks, thanks for being here, man. I love and appreciate you. Sorry, you couldn't find the link. I'm late. No, you're good, dude. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. If anyone has any questions or anything, let me know just down in the chat. Okay, so we just got the the research results from my boy Fantasy Nux in the chat here. Uh, 2023 Beasley is a free agent. So Cole Beasley will be back in Buffalo. I also think Dawson Knox having a breakout season that he's had the last couple of, uh, sorry, not last couple of years. This past season, Dawson Knox's breaks, Dawson Knox's breakout, sorry, uh, was very huge for taking a bit of the touchdown ceiling off of Gabriel Davis. So, uh, Fantasy Knox said 2023 Cole Beasley is a free agent and Isaiah McKenzie is a free agent. Now, I don't really think Isaiah McKenzie personally plays that much of a role into Gabriel Davis. Uh, sure, McKenzie has that big play potential. Kind of reminds me of John Hightower in the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Uh, I, I don't really care that much about Isaiah McKenzie. Sure, it's nice to take away another competitor, but I'm sure they'll replace a guy like that in the draft. Uh, we have a comment from my friend Kevin here. I'm big on Davis. I got him for free. I think he's an end-of-bench stash. And, yeah, that's true about Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, definitely. In Dynasty, listen, guys, I'm totally fine with you having Gabriel Davis. I'm not saying that you should sell him. I'm not, well, actually, I would consider selling him because his price is really high right now. So I would maybe consider that. But if you have him, no problem holding him. If you want to go get him, sure. Just don't overpay, okay? Because I think, like I mentioned, he is a good player in real life. I was in on him last season. 
uh, before we really got to see the relationship of him and Emmanuel Sanders. A lot of people were all in on Gabe Davis. I like him a lot. I really do. People actually compared him to Stephon Davis as a prospect. I think he is a good, talented player. The thing is, I just don't know if I'm willing to invest Chase Claypool plus for Gabriel Davis. I would much rather have the latter of a guy who's more proven, in my opinion, and uh, a more proven, consistent, real-life football talent and fantasy football commodity such as Chase Claypool. Gabriel Davis is a good football player, and he is in a great situation with great quarterback play. I just don't like investing in the guy who is alongside such an alpha as Stephon Diggs. Because Stephon Diggs is not just an alpha. He's not just a DeAndre Hopkins. He's not just a Julio Jones. He's not just a, you know what I mean? He is a target vacuum cleaner. That man sucks up all the target share. Stephon Diggs is hyper, hyper, hyper targeted. So I want that guy. I want that guy on my team. Obviously, everyone's Stephon Diggs over Gabriel Davis, like boom, galaxy brain moment, duh. Um, but I think that if you're investing high capital into an asset, you're going to want that guy who is the target alpha. That's why I'm so big on Monarch St. Brown. Obviously, he did his production with um, TJ Hawkins in sidelines and majority DeAndre Swift sideline. However, what we saw is a extraordinary scenario of taking advantage of your opportunity. And speaking of taking advantage of your opportunity, you can argue that that entire playoff game, all it was was taking advantage of your opportunity, right? I'm sure the Buffalo Bills going into that game knew they had a matchup that they really wanted to exploit with a certain quarterback or a certain safety alignment in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs that allowed Gabriel Davis to go absolutely hamburglar because they actually just saw that, hey, our boy Davis here, he has a nice matchup that we really, really, excuse me, that we really enjoy. Uh, it's kind of similar to what happened with T. Higgins yesterday and Jamar Chase. Sure, Chase had a good game. He had a touchdown. He had some big receptions and clutch moments. But T. Higgins is what fueled the Cincinnati Bengals' drive, man. He had like 100 yards and like eight catches. Really moved the ball down the field. And he was that guy over the middle. If you watched the broadcast yesterday of the uh, the Chiefs-Bengals game, you heard Tony Romo talking over and over and over again, repetitive, repetitivity of talking about T. Higgins and how he was a key for the Bengals' success to win that football game. I think the Buffalo Bills going into that game knew, hey, if we want to win this football game, we have to get Gabriel Davis involved. We need to get our number two outside receiver involved. And Gabe Davis delivered on them. He gave them the game of his life. Four touchdowns, a ton of yards, and they lost. What does this mean going forward? Personally, I don't read too much into playoff football scenarios for next regular season's uh, indicators of success. Sure, it's great, I think, especially for running backs to see different usage levels for different players, especially ones that haven't got that many touches during the regular season. But in this case with Gabe Davis, I think that it's really important to remember that this is uh, this is playoff football. And in playoff football, strategies are completely different than regular season football. Matchup exploitation is crucial to team success. And like I already mentioned, not to beat a dead horse here, but I really think that Davis' his huge playoff game was more of a result of matchup exploitation and game planning strategy from the Kansas City uh, Kansas City Chiefs defensive schemes rather than a true breakout for Gabe Davis to the point where the Buffalo Bills cannot deny his talent anymore. Like, oh my gosh, this guy's a superstar. We need to beat him the ball a ton. Whereas I think Amon Ross St. Brown, for example, got that. Uh, got that true breakout from the Detroit Lions front office, from Jared Goff, 
they recognize, man, this kid's balling out. Let's keep feeding him targets. Every single game down the stretch, he goes hyper-targeted. If you look at Gabe Davis's playoff stats from the wild card against the Patriots or the the playoff the, the end of regular season, I guarantee it doesn't match his playoffs because he had the game of his life. Why? Why? Most likely playoff exploit, uh, matchup exploitation. We have another comment here from Kevin. Thank you so much for commenting, Kevin. It makes the stream a lot more fun, man. Appreciate you. Uh, he said, that's very true, too. Maybe I'll see if someone bites at some point. I wouldn't go out and trade for Davis. I agree. And you think McKinnon has some value with the Chiefs now or no? Uh, another timeshare? So Kevin's asking about Jarek McKinnon, running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, now former San Francisco 49ers running back. He's been very involved in the Chiefs running and passing game, especially passing game, down the run for the playoffs here. I think, Kevin, honestly, uh, I'm not too sure what his contract situation is like. Someone could look up if he's a free agent. I think he probably is on a one-year deal. So it's going to be interesting to see if he wants to come back or after having a good playoff run with the team, he gets uh, bought out by another team somewhere in free agency or gets picked up somewhere else. However, I, I do think if he comes back, he could be heavily involved with this offense. He's looked very, very fresh in the playoffs for the Chiefs. He's been a kind of a lightning in the bottle uh, for that offense, being very reliable in the passing game. He's provided a spark on the ground as well. The Chiefs are really complicated right now with Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards, and Larry, Jerry McKinnon. Clyde... I personally think that Clyde is one of the more underrated real-life uh, NFL running backs. I think he is a very good runner who is very elusive, uh, very low center of gravity, who bounces off people like a pinball and has elite reception skills. Uh, I just think this season is – the story for Clyde Edwards-Alaire this season, in my opinion, is injury. Uh, we have a comment from Jay here. Jay, thanks so much for watching. Uh, Jay said, I've seen Gabriel Davis go for a mid to late for rookie picks. You trade Davis for that 10 out of 10 times. I, Jay, listen, I absolutely agree with that, man. I think that if you can get a first-round pick for Gabriel Davis, I would sell him immediately. I would smash that trade button, dude. While Davis is a good player with a good future, the most likely with high upside, um, I mean, this guy's only really had one big game. You know what I'm saying? He has a 10% target share this, uh, this NFL season. And that's more sticky to me than the playoff breakout game. So... Uh, Kevin also said, wow, Jay, I'd do that too. So, yeah, I mean, if, guys, if you can go out there and get a first-round rookie pick for Gabriel Davis, I would do it absolutely 100 out of 100 times. That is the perfect move to make. And I guarantee you the player you're getting in a first-round rookie draft, even though the 2022 class isn't as heavy talent-wise as 2021 or what 2023 is going to be, the 2022 class still has plenty of talented players, especially wide receivers and running backs. So I think it's totally fine to go out and trade Gabe Davis for a first-round pick. A great move, even. I think that the the, the worst first-round rookie, the 112 in your rookie draft, is going to be a better player at the end of the day than Gabriel Davis from the Buffalo Bills. That's just my opinion. Obviously, if you disagree, totally fine. But I personally look for long-term stable assets in fantasy football, right? And I think Gabriel Davis for a first is a no-brainer decision. Because I think a lot of people underrate, too, in trades, where you go out and trade a player for – X draft capital because that X draft capital oftentimes in trade negotiations has more value than the player himself. A lot of people are like, Oh, okay. So if you're getting the 112 in a trade for Gabe Davis, for example, the last rookie pick in the first round, a lot of people are going to be like, okay, so Gabe Davis for the last rookie in the first round, I don't know, like the 112, it's not that clear cut for like, who's going to be on the board there. I don't know if I like that trade. I promise you, if you hold on to that draft pick, and trade it during the NFL draft, or right by the NFL draft, that value will almost exponentially increase. Rookie draft picks, quick piece of dynasty advice, guys. 
hold on to those rookie draft picks, especially your first rounders right now. Do not trade them yet. People are just now starting to dive into NFL rookies and start to do a bit of NFL draft prospect research. Wait until it becomes actual draft season. Wait until the combine starts. Wait until pro day start. Wait until NFL team workouts start. Wait until Mel Kiver comes out with a new mock draft every time he blinks his eyeballs. And look how fast people are going to want new rookie picks. Everyone's going to get hype about the new rookie prospects. Everyone's going to want to trade for them. Everyone's going to want to get their guy in the rookie draft. It's human nature. I feel the same way. As hype increases, everyone wants those rookies. And that's part of the game. It really is. So I highly, highly, highly recommend trading Gabe Davis for any draft capital you can get. I would even trade him for two seconds, personally. If you get a 2022 second and a 2023 second for him, I would do that as well. I think that that, that two players is better than one. People also heavily overrate the value of second-round picks in fantasy football, in my opinion. I mean, we saw guys like Elijah Moore and Justin Jefferson get picked in, uh, in rookie drafts in the second round these past two years. Um, dude, rookie, rookie picks are very valuable. And making sure that you're doing your best to buy them at their lowest value and uh, sell them at their peak value is very important. Like, I highly, highly, highly recommend right now to try to get 2024 first-round picks thrown into trades like they're a third or second-round value. Because two years from now, when it's 2023, or sorry, wow, it's 2022. One year from now, when it's 2023, 2024, that feels like next year, man. And then all of a sudden, that value starts to go up. It's the best sure thing investment you can do in Dynasty Fantasy Football is buy these assets. Dude, buying rookie picks is the best thing you can do. Because even if it's a late round pick and it doesn't hold its value as well, it's like guaranteed long-term value, right? Because if you buy, let's say, I, I keep talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. Let's say you trade Gabriel Davis straight up for Amon Ross St. Brown somehow. It's probably not going to happen because I think Amon Ross price is higher. Six people in the stream right now, guys. Thank you so much for being here on my debut show. Thank you. It means a lot to me. Um, let's say you trade Gabe Davis straight up for Amon Ross St. Brown, right? You could trade Amon Ross St. Brown for a 2024 first round pick. Some people think it's a bad trade. I personally probably would say that's a bad trade. Okay, right now, that's a bad trade. Trading him on Rafa 2024 first round pick. Why would you do that? The thing is, though, even if you lose, or 2023 first, let's say that the Detroit Lions go out and they add uh, a top tier wide receiver in the NFL draft this year, and they spend up in free agency for a guy like Will Fuller or Juju Smith-Schuster or one of those other top tier wide receivers that are in free agency this season after a very good wide receiver class this year in free agency. Or they get Calvin Ridley or Michael Thomas or somebody. You know what I mean? There's so many wide receivers available right now in the NFL. If the Detroit Lions just add somebody at wide receiver one or wide receiver two, Amon Ross price automatically takes a hit. So let's say they add a guy in free agency here, free agency here soon, a top-tier wide receiver. They add in Will Fuller. Amon Ross already takes a hit. Go to the NFL draft. They spend their first-round pick on a wide receiver elite prospect like Jamar Chase level. I don't think there's one like that in the draft. Let's just say hypothetically. Another hit to his value. And then all of a sudden, he's the wide receiver three. And then TJ Hawkins is back and healthy. And then another hit to his value. And then all of a sudden, he's the target number four in that Detroit Lions offense. You got a first round pick for him in your trade, right? 2023 first round pick. All of a sudden, next year, you roll a time rolls around. You have the 108. You're drafting a top tier running back. It's going to be a top 10 dynasty running back now for Mon Ross St. Brown that like you traded away months ago. You see my point? Uh, players are a lot more volatile in value than draft picks so if you're gonna trade players for draft picks i highly recommend looking for those future ones because if you're looking for draft picks this year let's say you're trading gabriel davis right 
I think you're a lot more likely going to get offers from teams that are like, okay, I'll give you the 2022-202, the second pick in the second round of the rookie draft, because people think that has more value right now than the 2023 first, because it's right now. People are impatient. People don't want to wait until next season. People want to draft this year. Would you rather have the 14th pick overall this year? Or would you rather have the seventh overall pick next year? And that class is a lot better anyway. So what I'm trying to say is be patient. Play the long-term game in Dynasty, especially with those draft picks. It's very, very important that you hold on long-term and try to get peak value for your players. All right, guys. It's been 25 minutes of show. I have to run uh, for class here soon. Thank you so much for checking out the first episode of Good Morning Fantasy. We'll be live again tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, and Friday morning. Every single week, guys, starting at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're watching the replay right now, thank you so much for being here and checking out the show. Make sure you guys subscribe and turn on the bell on the YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for being here. I hope to see you in the chat every single day, and I hope you had a great morning. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for making me a part of your daily routine. Have a great day, everybody. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 8.30. Good morning, everybody. Goodbye.